You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Masterclass. So, the masterclass on the Popey Act is what we're doing this afternoon. And we know that um, the deadline for uh, compliance in terms of the personal, uh, in terms of the Popey Act, the Protection of Personal Information Act is fast approaching. Uh, everything, it all commenced on the 1st of July last year. Uh, and the president uh, did proclaim that day, you know, the starting date of it all. Uh, everyone has been given a grace period of exactly a year uh, to be able to get uh, get get to grips with compliance and what that means for their organizations for their companies and uh, when we've got yeah we've got the final deadline fast approaching now when june hits you'll be expected to be fully compliant let's get to grips with what that means uh, for consumers let's get to grips with what that means for companies Helping us unpack everything we need to know about the per- Protection of Personal Information Act is Loiso Boyce, who is the MD of Clyra 4. They are a cybersecurity solutions company. Loiso, good afternoon. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Good afternoon, Rufilwe. Good afternoon to the listeners. A wonderful introduction. Uh, ready for this masterclass. It, it's, it's, a, it's an intimidating uh, name masterclass, uh, but I'll do what I can uh, to share with the listeners. Well, you've got uh, Azania to Azania to um, thank for that, <laughs> but uh, maybe we can just you know not be intimidated and let's just bring it down to the level where you know we can we can take we can take things away from this conversation and be able to have some easy dinner time conversations, right? Because this ultimately is all about uh, consumers understanding their rights and um, business owners or companies or organisations uh, also understanding their responsibilities. So as I said uh, in the introduction, Louis, so the grace period for compliance is. Um, is at the end of the grace period for compliance is approaching. At the end of June, companies will have expected to be fully compliant and uh, be ready to uh, um, responsibly process and deal with people's information. What does what did that compliance process look like for companies and organisations? And uh, was was every sort of um, was every bit of the act um, meant to be complied with, or have only certain parts of it um, come into effect? So uh, yeah, so there the, the number of controls that have been put in place. The the main the main deadline, the main milestone, uh, is end of June or first of July of this year. Sure. However, when you look at some of the requirements, uh, there are some deadlines that have come and gone already. And based on such chats and other webinars we've been running, quite a lot of people are not aware of that. For example, uh, the, the act requires that responsible parties, I'll indicate what that relates to, uh, need to have in, in, uh, informed to the, of the, the office who the information officer is. So by default, the CEO of the company will be the information officer, but larger, well, not larger, different size companies will have different people doing different roles. So you can start thinking about larger entities will have specific people, are typically called CISOs, Chief Information Security Officers, or information officers that need to have been uh, reported to the office already and those, de- those details uh, recorded. Mm. And then you touched on, on, on something critical, right? What is the process of compliance? So, so Clara 4, we're, in, we're an information security uh, company. Um, that being the case, uh, looking at poppy compliance from purely an IT on information security point of view, 
uh, is not going to uh, get any business compliant. Mm. So what we've learned, uh, what we've learned to be effective is looking at it as a multidisciplinary approach. So in our team, we have legal minds, uh, legal scholars, lawyers uh, that understand the law uh, in its entirety and how it applies to different sectors. There's a governance and policy layer. So remember, on the, on the IT side and even on, on the X side, when it says things need to happen a certain way, most businesses uh, interact with each other uh, via electronic means, whether it's SMS or email. There are some systems somewhere that have information that belongs to people. So we found as a cybersecurity company that if companies look at it purely as cybersecurity, they're going to miss the mark. If you are only going to look at it as purely a governance point of view, what do the rules say? Do we understand what the rules say? And not build your IT systems in such a way that is compliant, you will be left wanting. We'll touch on that later because it speaks to the consequences of not being compliant as a business and for individuals. So we'll touch on that. Sure. And, and the other element is where does the rubber meet the road? Uh, yes. All of us have signed into something somewhere recently. You, you touched on body corporates. I love that. Most body corporates, whether it's residential <laughs> or corporate environments, require mm -hmm. you to produce some kind of identification and they're recording that information. What happens to that information? Have you ever asked yourself what happens to that information? So you know, there are rules yeah. uh, that, that have been put in place to address this new landscape we find ourselves in. Yeah. So it is a process. And I think as we talk uh, in, in the, uh, during the conversation, I'll touch on uh, I'll touch on the eight controls that the Act speaks to uh, as a way to leverage the different processes that people must must look into. Fantastic. Thanks for setting up uh, setting that up for us in such a lovely and concise way. But, you know, let's circle back to the very premise or the reason that the Protection of Personal Information Act exists. What did it seek to clarify, to solidify, to protect and address that was lacking before? I'll, I'll shorten the answers, I promise. Please. <laughs> uh, but to answer this one, I just want to give a, a brief background of, of the office itself, right? So, so the, the, so the, the act, I mean, uh, the, the office of the information regulator has been responsible and uh, for planning with this project and they're responsible for reporting to National Assembly on the outcomes thereof. And why, and why is it there? What is it? Okay. The office is required to provide education in terms like we're doing now. Right. Yes, uh, yes. Except they've indicated that they are short on resources. So they work with companies like us to assist them get the word out there. So when, when stations such as yourself are doing stuff like this, you would be considered a, an interested party and stakeholder in assisting them spread the message. So big up to the station on doing that. <laughs> so that's, they are there to make sure that education is spread. They need to monitor and, and enforce compliance. They need to consult with interested parties. Uh, they, they are there to handle complaints. Now, in answering your question, this is where the act comes into play. It starts talking about uh, what is allowed, what is what is not allowed, what is a complaint, and what is the process of of of, of addressing a complaint, and and what and what businesses are supposed to do to avoid getting to a situation where the office needs to get involved because there's a complaint. Mm -hmm. Another critical issue: they conduct research and they they report to parliament. They issue, amend, and revoke and revoke codes of conduct, which is basically what this act is about. And they make guidelines to assist bodies to develop and apply codes of conduct, which is basically what, what, what we're doing. Sure. Why is it needed? Why is it needed? Okay, so there were three elements that I wanted to highlight on this. So the handling of complaints, 
the, uh, the codes of conduct and, and, and guidelines. So it's there to manage those. Why is it needed? New economy. Mm. We're always talking about 4IR. And if you look in, in, in the markets out there, some of the most valuable companies that exist uh, are companies that are data uh, driven so from social media to companies, even, even, even a company like Tesla, right? What makes Tesla so special, find the, comp- the, the car itself is electric, but what, what makes it amazing is the computational power, what, what it's doing with data to, to, uh, to enable autonomous yeah. driving. So data is, is, is fantastic. Data is the new oil. I was about to refer to that exact phrase. Data is the new oil. The possibilities of data are what? Not just marketers, but people can, you know, essentially reach the apex of uh, audience or market segmentation, right? Because data can tell yes. you so many things right down to your behavioral patterns, your spending patterns, your lifestyle habits. And uh, marketers, manufacturers, anybody who's trying to create and sell you something is then able to really, really target you in order to sell all of that stuff. But we need to strike a balance between that, the ability yes. to operate in the free market and your own privacy, as an individual, I, I have a quote here. We ran a webinar with the information regulator a few weeks ago, and Mr. Nemasisi, one of the executives, shared this. Mm. He said, one of the main reasons why the, the, the act exists is to balance the rights to privacy against other rights, mm-hmm. particularly, particularly the rights of access to information, but protecting important interests, including mm-hmm. the free flow of information within the republic and across international borders. And, and, and your summarization was, was beautiful. So it impacts everything yeah. from advertisers, how information is used, and, 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 how, and, and how we also now as individuals, what our responsibilities are, because I want us to touch on that too. Absolutely. No, that's key. So you've touched on the fact that uh, new, why, why do we find ourselves at this juncture? It's new economies, new markets. Um, and of course, COVID-19, right, has really brought us to a strange yes. place. Uh, and contact tracing has really brought us to a strange place where coffee shop owners, for instance, who've never had any need for my phone number and my name, are now asking me for all sorts of information. And I think that really made um, this uh, the business of, uh, of, of Popey or personal, uh, the, the personal protection of information so important for every one of us because suddenly we're going to a coffee shop or a restaurant and I'm being asked for my ID number. And you wonder, well, do you need this in order to contact Trace? But then you're also asking for my ID number, my email address, my cell phone number. And I'm thinking, hang on. If uh, two-step verification in order to keep my accounts, my finances, my everything is so important, anybody who just applies their mind <laughs> can SIM swap, <laughs> you know, you, all sorts of things, uh, hack my email and, you know, get ac- all sorts of access. So in terms of the responsibilities of a consumer, then when should we put a hard break on what kind of information we give? Should we be dishing out our ID number, first of all, willy-nilly, alongside the email, alongside the cell phone number? You know, this. so so we have a training session uh, for poppy compliance for companies. It's a whole day session. And and these are the questions that come up that, that always uh, uh, trick me because the short answer is it depends. So understanding where you are, where, what environment you are going into, some environments are more sensitive mm. about the type of information and type of information that they collect uh, and who they let into their, onto their premises. So, so I wouldn't want to sit here and say, do not give this, this and this. Yes. I, w- I will, I will say the following because, because of the exact 
lie of the land that you've indicated. There needs to be rules of engagement, right? And this is what the act is for. So it's there to protect against fraud, waste, and abuse. So it, unfortunately, it, it still means that as, 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 as individuals, we, we, we rely on those who have our data to, to, to act in a responsible way. But I will say this, whereas before there were no rules of engagement, the fact that now we can at least define what is expected from the business owners and what constitutes bad behavior is a step in the right direction. Because previously it was the wild, wild west. Now we have a mechanism to report should, should, should you find that you have been abused. Okay. So on, on that note, right? So, so it means that as businesses, the, the onus and the responsibility, a lot of it lies on you. To, to, to make sure that things happen the right way. Mm. And, and for, for, in the language of the Poppy Act, uh, the, the, the businesses are, are, are referred to as uh, responsible parties. Sure. And every single business in South Africa is a responsible party. Mm. What is a responsible party? Any individual or entity, and I make distinction of the individual as well, uh, entity that holds the information, personal identifiable information of another person or entity mm. so so and, and and then and then it and then goes on to say okay fine so responsibility is on the businesses to make sure that they've got tools in place and if and and, and how do they do that yeah take so us through those eight is, controls yes 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 so so there's an element of of accountability um so we spoke about the responsible party mm-hmm. so the responsible party must ensure compliance full compliance with the conditions of lawful processing. What does that mean? As a responsible part, you need to understand what lawful processing is, understand what the act is. I've mentioned the deadline of the 1st of May, so please rush and make sure that nomination of information officer is done and start getting ready for the 1st of July. So so you are accountable. So that's one of the controls, so we measure accountability. Once you have information as a, as a business, the, the issue of how you process that information is critical and it's got limitations. Mm. It must be processed lawfully in a reasonable manner that does not infringe on the privacy of the data subject. Now, I mentioned that in our team, we've had to get trainers and legal minds because depending on the business, Things like reasonable manner starts being up for debate. Yes. So, so for things like that, it's important that businesses involve their legal uh, counsels uh, to make sure that they, the interpretation of the law is, is done correctly. So part, part of the processing is so, so it needs to be reasonable. It, it needs to be lawful and you can't infringe on the rights of, of, of the data subject. Remember, data subject, I said data subject is an entity or person mm-hmm. uh, that the information is about. So, so that needs to be handled with, 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 with proper controls. Minimality as well as another keyword. So you, just because you want information. So you spoke about, so I go to a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I t- I, they take down my name. They take down my ID number. They take down my temperature or I take down my shoe size or I take down my address or I take down my blood type. So the processing limitation speaks to that. Okay. You can't just ask information all willy-nilly it needs to be relevant it not it, it must not be excessive the caveat is there needs to be consent mm-hmm. and justification of why you are, you are getting this information directly from the data subject so it becomes simple in that when you go in the consent issue you can simply sign and assume by signing these legal minds come in you are then giving your consent yes but this control is called 
processing limitations. So it's a process here. It means when you give consent, you can only have consent for a certain amount of time, and you can only hold that information for a certain amount of time. And the person that has given the information needs to have the right and the ability to ask you to delete that information too. Mm -hmm. So you can start seeing that by just signing in on paper alone, a lot of the processing elements starts to fall away because where's that paper going? Who else can see it? How long are you going to, to look at that paper? This is why on this, on this, on the IT side, I made a distinction. So on the IT side, this is where the technology starts to come in. The other one, there's that specification, the purpose of why you want the data and why you're collecting it, how long you're going to retain it, and for what records needs to be clear and articulated. Sure. So accountability, who's responsible for that? So it's a business, and I said in the business, you have to nominate an information officer, so that is the person, there has to be a person that they can talk to. It's, it's processing. So, so when you have data, don't think of data going far as something that you have that's on the file. Data is something that is being processed. Yeah. Life cycle of that consent of who has it must be important. Also, why you have the data. All right. There are some exemptions in place uh, around retention of data, but those in the health and financial spaces will know that there are specific laws that speak to data retention and those will apply, but also there are exemptions. You can apply for exemptions. Um, the current exemption guideline says in the course of purely personal or household activity. So once again, we're going to need the legal minds to interpret what that means in the court of law. Sure. But those are, so in the regular activity. So if you and I are talking, uh, we have common friends that ask, hey, I need so-and-so's number and address somebody that we know that should suffice that should be okay as an example sometimes it is possible to de-identify data so you touched and on what this, uh, and what so do you mean by that you, yes so you already touched on this uh, uh touched on this concept uh, earlier mm -hmm. so so marketers for example are able to collect tons of data around what your preferences are your 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 decision-making processes, um, and, and by, by, by doing that, they can get that information, but not make it specific to Refilwe okay. or Loiso. Mm -hmm. They can say in this segment, so for example, our office is in FOIS, uh, they can pull individual information and then de-identify individuals, so you, ca you can no longer say they are talking to Loiso, they are now talking to any other in, in my case, it could be any other blackmail that resides in the FOIS area that's, that, that, that's in between such and such an age. Sure. So things like that are allowed. That's de-identifying uh, information. Right. There's issues of national security, obviously. Uh, that's always there. Uh, in the purpose and prevention of uh, offenses and criminal activities, but there's a legal process there in place, and obviously terrorist activities. So unless it falls under that, you are not exempt. Mm -hmm. And there's a rule of thumb, Everybody is not exempt. Okay. Louisa, let me take so this. Three controls. I feel like I'm talking a lot. Should no. I continue? Well, it, well it is a masterclass, and I will stop you when we need for you to further elaborate. But, Louisa, let me take this opportunity sure. to um, uh, throw it out there. If you've got any questions for my guest, Louisa Boyce, who's the MDS, MD of Clarifor, we are having a masterclass on the Protection of Personal Information Act. Um, that grace period uh, that runs until the end of June or the 1st of July, in which companies have had and organizations or processes of, of information and data 
have had to comply, to be fully compliant, that's coming to an end. So we need to understand um, the responsibilities of companies and organizations, but also, um, you know, as a, as a consumer, what can you, what kind of recourse do you have, for instance, when you're constantly being called by call centers and you have no recollection of ever having um, signed in or opted in for third party marketing, for instance, right? So what are your rights? What's your recourse? And what what do you need to know as a consumer? If you've got any inquiries or questions of uh, for Loiso, send them through to 31702. Better yet, please do call us on 011 8830702 and let's see how Loiso can answer your call. Uh, how Loiso can answer your questions. 702 Masterclass. At 14.38, we continue our conversation. We continue our masterclass on the Protection of Personal Information Act. Of course, we've uh, spoken quite a few times already that that grace period where companies, where people who are processing data um, have, a, you know, can start to get com- compliant. That grace period is coming to an end at the end of June. And uh, my guest, Luisa Boyce, who's the MD of Clarifor, they are um, cybersecurity specialists, is saying there's been quite a lot of work to do to get you know to get come to get up to snuff so far but uh louisa thank you so much for your patience and hanging on there let's just uh, start with a voice note first before we carry on our conversation hi louisa i just have a quick question what happens so now if a business does b2b transactions only and they don't process personal information but they process business information do they still they need to um do they need to appoint an information officer and let the regulator know, or is that a situation where they have to have an info, like an information person there because the HR department in that situation would be the you know they processing personal information? So does does every single business in the country need to have this position? That's yeah. All right, Louis. I hope that uh, voice note was clear to you. Did you hear it? I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, clear. Uh, Question makes sense. So you mentioned that, that was, what happens if you are in the B2B space, B2B meaning business to business, yes. rendering services to other businesses and not uh, individuals. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, one of the things that we said earlier, so when we look at uh, Popi, I want you to think of two keywords, the responsible party and the data subject. Responsible party, any entity that holds any data. So if you're a business, you hold data. I think perhaps Mm-hmm. Sometimes we, we get lost in the terminology. So so let's break down what we mean by data, right? Customer info, customer information sure. is data. Okay. Employee information is data. Suppliers information is data. Uh, when you are in the B2B space, you are a business, you have shareholders, partners, uh, all kinds of stakeholders that you engage with. If you are in that space or have any of that information, you must comply with Popi. I hope that answers, yeah, I hope absolutely. That answers the question. Absolutely. The second part of the question was, does everybody need to nominate an information officer? So so as the law stands right now, the CEO, uh, the head of the business, becomes the, the, the default uh, uh, person that the information office, the, the office regards as the information officer. So if you're a one or two person business, I mean, it, it makes sense. Not everybody is able to go and hire uh, information officers. But once the business does get a bit larger, um, you, you are then able to, to have to nominate somebody. And why is it important to nominate? There are consequences, right? So, so there's an admis- administrative fine, uh, for lack of compliance that will not exceed, uh, 10 million rand. 
But also, some of some offences can attract imprisonment, mm. not exceeding 10 years, and or include a fine. So if you want to be morbid, why must you nominate somebody? Somebody needs to go to jail sure. if something go wrong. All right. So, so, the buck, so the buck needs to stop. In yeah. terms of imprisonment, there needs to be an individual. And then in terms of fines, right. the company needs to have registered. Right. Okay. All right. Um, that, right. Answers the, mm-hmm. that answers the question of recourse uh, for people uh, or for consumers whose um, data has not been adequately uh, stored, properly stored, protected or processed. Uh, Loiso, what about matters of you're getting calls from a call center? I've had many conversations like this saying, can you just remove me from your database? I have no idea who they are. I don't remember opting in for third party marketing or any such sharing of my da- of my details but here we are we're having this phone call and uh, the person on the other line says yes sure ma'am but we both know it's not going to happen what recourse does popey lend me after this when i'm getting cold called sure, sure. I- i'm going to to use this answer to segue back into the controls we've covered three mm-hmm. i want to cover the other ones but this is tough I'm, I'm in the space yet i struggle with this all the time uh, the, the information regulator makes allowance for, because now people, because these companies that phone you are, are companies, right? And, and, and because there isn't a responsible person and there is no actual recourse, all you can do is tell them to remove your stuff and then nothing forces them to do anything. We've just touched on the consequences now and I think you see why it's important to have the backstop with somebody. <laughs> because if there's continued transgression, the buck has to stop with somebody. So, so for us as businesses and individuals, we are able to write uh, letters to the information regulator to lodge these complaints. Uh, but this is South Africa. I'm not going to comment on the follow through on that in terms of the court process and investigations thereof. But that is the process sure. that currently sits right now. All right. So as, 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 as to leverage that for, for, for segue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other control that we talk about is further processing uh, limitation. So one of the ways uh, that these companies get our information is because people are selling our information. COVID has been rough for a number of reasons. Uh, some businesses have not survived. Other people have had, had to find creative ways of find supplementing their income. And if people are getting retrenched and they work in a marketing company and they know they've got customer information, that fetches the price on the black market. Hmm. So, 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 so that's, that's on the unethical side. But sometimes you might get uh, permission to use information for a certain marketing campaign uh, and then the business pivots or something else comes along. And then the business uses that same consent to start rendering other services to you. And sometimes this is the gray area that such companies leverage to, to get to us. Mm. One of the controls is limiting further processing of information. So once you've given consent, the business has to, remember I said, you must articulate what the information is for. You cannot just change willy-nilly uh, the, what the consent was given for without getting approval from the data subject. That's the owner of the data. Sure. Now, on the data subject side, right, there's a responsibility of quality of information. Personal information must be complete, accurate, not misleading and updated. So now as individuals, how often do we give our information to, 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 to entities out there? So from the time you went to primary school, your primary school, every doctor you've gone to, dentist, you've signed up, all those people have your information. Fine, in, in, in the context of, of, of the law, you don't need 
to report and keep track of that really old stuff. But when you have a loan, you've gone and you've applied for a personal loan or you've bought a car mm-hmm. or there's some kind of transaction that is reliant on your information. One of the things that are critical when, when insurers uh, calculate your insurance premium, one of the things they ask is, is where do you stay? Sure. And some people tend to not answer honestly so that they can get better, better rates. So once again, the law seeks to be fair, so it protects both parties. So us as individuals, we have to report when there's, signif- when there's changes in our personal information. So if I'm going to move, I have moved addresses, I need to inform my insurance company and the bank. So quality of information is critical. Mm. And then it says, if we're all playing fair, now as a business, I need to be open. As a responsible party, I need to maintain records and notify data subjects when I'm collecting the information. And I mentioned earlier, if the data subjects wants me to delete the information or wants to change something, that process needs to be in place. I'm sure a lot of business owners, information managers are worried and trying to figure out how they can plug in this, this manual process into automated systems. Yeah, You can imagine ordering from an online provider that works with a subcontractor to do the deliveries. How do we then maintain the consent of information, my address, my number, between that entire channel? So that's why I said earlier, it's important if you're going to be getting copy compliant, look at all the aspects. Look at your IT systems, your applications, how are they functioning? Look at how are you managing these consents from, from the users? Is there an easy way for the users to update the information, to ask you to delete and manage consents? So, mm-hmm. so uh, the gent who called earlier uh, with the B2B question, I, I, don't, I, I don't think he gave his name, but there are solutions. You know, South Africa is alive with possibilities. I've seen some <laughs> amazing solutions uh, geared for businesses and the individuals, specifically targeting this. All right, so if, if somebody has a smaller company and they're worried how they're going to get compliant, there are solutions that are mobile-based, that have been built, uh, that people can inquire up, uh, from us about, and they will link them to, to those providers. All right. On that There's note, two more. I want to, what I want to do, Lois, was just take some calls, uh, looking at the time and the clock, uh, and answer some listener questions. Tidiso and Ferenaging is holding on the line. You want to talk about, um, uh, social media accounts and Pope in relation to Popey. Welcome to the program. What's your question, Tidiso? Okay, sir. What I wanted to ask is, how far does this information close in terms of goal, in terms of protecting us, probably from these multinational companies? And you quite well aware that right now we sign into these LinkedIn, Facebooks, and all of these things. And when 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 they have clauses like uh, laws and terms and conditions are subject to change without informing you, in terms of you have to check for yourself that these laws and information change. So how far are we protected when probably these laws infringe on your rights as a consumer of those products, you know what I mean? Mm. All right. So, Loiso, to, to, yeah, to piggyback on to Tsidiso's question, uh, you know, we know that, for instance, the European Union General Data Protection Regulation is very stringent in addressing the transfer of personal data outside of the e- out of EU areas. Uh, does Popey do much of the same thing in this, um, this, this world of apps that we all live in? Yes, because there was no framework that the, 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 in the context of the European Union, they, 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 they've had a law similar to this called the General Data uh, Protection Regulation, I think, uh, yes. GDPR. Yeah. 
so it's, it's a version of Poppy, uh, but it seeks to do the same thing for, for that region. And what does it control? It control uh, information across borders, and it gives its citizens in the U European Union the right to be protected against these huge multinationals. So when you look in, in the GDPR space, they've, they've issued last time, I checked was a few months ago, but they had issued close to $500 billion or $500 million mm -hmm. uh, worth of, of fines uh, related to, 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 to compliance violations. Sure. And this is what we seek to do locally. So previously, we didn't have much of the recourse but it's exactly that, right? Uh, whether we're in a position right now to fight Facebook and WhatsApp against some of these draconian privacy laws they currently are forcing us to, 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 to accept is it, up for debate. Sure. But the fact that we have an information regulator gives us the power of a republic to fight on our behalf. Mm -hmm. So we're not quite there yet, but the process is in place to give us the ability to fight back. All right. Um, and perhaps we can look to Australia and see how they fared in their fight against Google recently. Let's uh, take uh, Deboho in Baklu, who's also got a question. Yes. Welcome to the show. What's your question, Deboho? Thank you. Thank you. A very interesting uh, conversation. I think uh, the information regulator is an important institution. Uh, but I wanted to ask uh, my question in relationship to political parties, especially mm -hmm. as uh, the elections are beginning. You, uh, you find that uh, political parties call you, you don't know where the hell they got to hold of your information, and you, you probably are not even close to supporting their ideology and they harass you about voting mm -hmm. for them, um, that type of thing. So what, what do you make of that? Uh, is that legal or illegal according to the, the new Poppy Act? Sure, Louisa. So, so all nice those robocalls and SMSs. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I and I got so many of those. Sure. So 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 that's so there was no law once again. So people could do whatever they want. It's once you feel your your rights are being abused. So remember, so the law seeks to prevent abuse of your information. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Three, four SMSs and a phone call starts to feel like abuse. Mm. So that's exactly what the law uh, aims to, to address. So, so the political parties know they're not doing the right thing. But, I mean, there was no recourse uh, that we could properly do. So they continue to do what needs to be done. So the law is one thing, but monitoring and implementation thereof becomes something else, right? So, so we cannot absolve our personal responsibility of knowing what's happening in the real world. Because people always look for opportunities to exploit and find the gaps. Sure, sure. Let's take a final call, I think, uh, looking at the time. Yeah, let's take a final call from Maestro in Val, Luis. So, uh, also another question on Popey. Welcome to the uh, to the program, Maestro. What's your question? Thank, thank you very much. Um, it's a quick one. Um, there's this famous brand that normally, oh, I travel a lot, so there's this brand that, are, that sells food that I normally buy from. So each time I phone them, right? Um, they would obviously take my numbers and then uh, they then suggest the previous address which I ordered from as my delivery address. Mm. And then I asked to say, but is this not a risk? Because um, obviously if someone doesn't, or if someone wants to know your address, right, they would just phone that brand if they know your cell number and then they would suggest, you know, your, your home address or your delivery address, which most, for most people is, is, is their home address. Is that legal and yeah. how is that supposed to be handled in terms of your understanding of the PPA? Thanks, Maestro. Your answer, Lisa? Fantastic, Maestro. And I'm going to segue again on the last two controls. Mm -hmm. uh, second last control, security and safeguards. Are they allowed to do that? No. So responsible parties must secure the integrity and confidentiality of personal information. So, so there it's articulated. 
and nobody's allowed to call a third party and ask for your for your information unless you have given uh, uh, permission. And, and it even goes further to say whatever databases, systems, or files they have in place, uh, those need to ensure confidentiality. That's why I touched on when you sign in and your information being visible to everybody. Companies need to start being aware that that is that is not going to allow because people that's where people get this information, they take it and sell it onwards. So. So information must be safeguarded uh, at, at all times because those companies will, will be penalized. Security measures must be put in place and they must be uh, adhered, adhered to. <laughs> and then finally, I, I mentioned uh, openness. There is participation on the data subject side. This is the last uh, control. Yes. As a data subject, you need to know who has what personal information about you. So things like that. You shouldn't be in a position where you have to call and find these things out as a surprise. And then also under data subject participation, the right to correct, delete, or, or delete the personal information is there. Irrelevant, outdated, what should deem as excessive, incomplete, or misleading, or unlawfully obtained information uh, must be made available. So, so all these things you must know how information was 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 achieved. I mean, the last point is the mm -hmm. manner of access. Yeah. How did you get my information? So the, the the businesses need to be able to report on all these items uh, when you call and if if you feel that there's been a violation. And then we look at the broader law, the other controls we've touched on because of of the fact that there is an information officer and there is a process, and because they're obliged to tell you what they have and how they have it. You are then able to 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 send a complaint to the information officer to the office should there be a problem and that's done by a letter or these days you will send a, an, an, a, an email sure. with your details all right a final quick answer please louis so um someone here asking my employer won't send our pay slips by email they say this is all due to popey but uh, other larger small businesses do so is it necessarily by email or is it an online system that they're able to access and download uh, employees can download their um, pay slips from what do you what's your answer to that I understand fully why the business would want to go for an online model and not send information. So it speaks to um, multiple copies. So remember, if, if you have, as I said, I mentioned employee information and your payslip would count as employee information. So when you look at how IT systems work, every time they send an email, the, the, a copy of that document will be created somewhere. Okay. The more copies of that information that exists, the more difficult it is for the business uh, to manage information, to know what they have and where it is. This is why I was saying it's a process and it's important for businesses to start early because you need to know what information I have and where it is and how it moves through my organization. Mm -hmm. So so one of the recommendations that we put in place for businesses to get properly compliant, especially once we start getting talking technology, is for them to use, to deploy policies like that. Rather than send documents, start using uh, shared folders, uh, not to mention names, but companies like Microsoft Office 365 with their cloud platforms is fantastic for that. Lovely. So one of the shortcuts of getting copy compliant is for businesses to, to start looking at digital tools. So in this particular instance, I would recommend that a business starts using tools that are cloud tools that are available to issue payroll, to manage leave, because in tools like that, Technology makers are building data privacy uh, uh, into those tools. So, so that's why businesses are doing that. And you'll find that more and more documents aren't being sent. Uh, companies will start using information repositories 
so that people can work, so that pe- so that companies can manage the number of copies in the environment. Thank they you so much. The new oil, <laughs> the more oil you have, the more risk you have. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, hour-long masterclass on the Protection of Personal Information Act. It sounds and it feels like we need installment two, three, four, and five, but uh, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, Loisa Boyce is the MD of Clara 4.